Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I am Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. Good morning. Welcome to Plymouth Congregational Church. For those who don't know me, my name is Lil. I've missed church for a few Sundays, and I found the error of my ways this morning when I tried to get in and the door was locked. (laughs) So just a hint, don't be gone too long. (laughs) But I was here for all of the four Sundays of Advent, and I clearly remember Pastor David's definition of Advent as the season of anticipation when we look forward to the birth of Christ, to peace, joy, love, and hope. He described Advent as a time of expectation of good. And that was about as much of that sermon as I heard. Because that, that phrase, that expectation of good, took me to um, an inner conversation where all my little voices are. And I was kind of lost to the rest of the sermon. Because I was recognizing in that phrase a my own spiritual practice of living in a state of expectation of good, of looking forward to that bright spot on the horizon, especially when we're caught up in some human misery of some sort. Now, you've all heard me say that I perceive myself as a spiritual being, having a human experience, which is okay, except sometimes the human part gets really difficult to manage. You've also heard me say that I know everything changes, nothing stays the same, and life can change in a heartbeat. But by expecting good things, I'm able to ride over the worst of even the worst times. So when I'm sick, I expect to be healthy. When I'm sad, I expect lightheartedness. When I'm discontented, I expect gratitude. When I'm heartbroken, I expect healing, and when I am numb with grief, I expect a surcease of sorrow. Now, does this practice of looking forward with the expectation of good make me a Pollyanna? Maybe. I've been accused of worse things. But I'm going to continue this spiritual practice because it helps me to keep moving forward through my life as a human. So, with your hearts and minds filled with expectation of good, please stand if you are able and join with me in the call to worship, and we will read this responsibly. God alone is our rock and our refuge. God's love for us is steadfast, unshakable, and forever. Trust in God, O people, at all times. We believe in the good news brought by Jesus the bright, shining morning star that dispels the darkness. Let us worship God through word and song. With our lips and hearts, praise our loving God. The Old Testament lesson today is from Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up! Go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. 
Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, three days' walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animal shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to the Lord. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? Maybe God will relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Thank you, Lily. Our gospel lesson is from the Gospel of Mark. We read out of the Gospel of John last week, but we did the Gospel of Mark a couple of Sundays ago with the baptism of Jesus. And right after Jesus' baptism, he goes into the wilderness for a few days and then comes back. And uh, when he comes back, we're into this, uh, this passage here. So this is Jesus right after he's come back. Uh, from the wilderness and after John the Baptist has been arrested. And so hear now and listen to these words of uh, Mark's gospel and listen and hear how God is speaking to you through them. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Follow me, and I will teach you how to fish for people. As I thought about that this week, I've also had the other thought. Nets are dangerous. Nets are not particularly safe. I don't know if, if you've ever used one, but the, the other than, say, a net underneath a, a trapeze artist or something, nets are generally used to capture, not to help. And if you've ever used one, if you've ever fished with the net, even if it's a simple fishing boat, one of those nets that's on the stick that's easy to use, or if you've ever tried to use one of the larger nets casting it out, it's really easy 
to get tangled up in them. Either for you to get tangled up in them or for your fishing tackle or someone else or something else. Really easy to get tangled up in a net. And that's why they're so effective for fishing and for hunting and for trapping. They're almost impossible to escape unless you're really clever. And so this phrase, fishing for people, I mean, it's actually kind of a horrific idea if you take it at face value. Fishing for people, whether it be with nets or with a, uh, or with a hook. If you seek people like you seek fish, nets are not very invitational. Come to my party. <laughs> or baits with, uh, with hooks in them. That's not good hospitality. It's an interesting image. I don't want to fish for people, Jesus. That sounds really harsh. I don't want to trick them with a literal bait and switch or just trap them against their will. I don't want to do that. That's not being the church to coerce or to trap or capture. Not that Christianity hasn't tried it in the past, over the years. They've tried those approaches and, and unfortunately continues sometimes to do so. To use this fishing metaphor a little too literally. Capturing entrapment. Uh, that word evangelism has a, a ring of coercion to it of being forced or trapped or simply abused into a certain way of, of thinking but I, I think that these men that Jesus was calling to knew that he wasn't talking quite so literally as that. He was using language that they knew. They were fishermen. They understood that language. I will teach you how to fish for men. They, I, I think they knew that he wasn't saying, come with me and I'll teach you how to treat your neighbor the same way that you treat these fish. That doesn't sound like the kind of thing that would be said by the guy who said, love your neighbor. He's talking about bringing people along on a journey of experiencing God, of coming into God's fellowship, coming into the community of, of love, of experiencing hope and love, of dignity, of gathering people. I think the way that a net might gather people, but not in a coercive or forced way, to gather people into that kind of a community, a net of safety, a net of love, fellowship, mutual help. It's a gentle net, and the bait does not have a hook in it, nor does it come with, with any strings attached. I think that's the kind of fishing that God, uh, that Jesus is calling to, to be fishers of people. But do we listen do we listen to that call? And perhaps we hear the wrong thing when we hear that call to go be fishers. For we who are good and, and sensitive people who want to love our neighbors, who like to be kind, who don't want to be uh, rude or overbearing, we who think that we should not force or ensnare, maybe when we hear Jesus is called to be fishers of people. We think of that more entrapment kind of fishing instead of the invitational. And I used to think that evangelism was pretty obnoxious. 
because so many of the evangelists that I saw and experienced were obnoxious. They were the very forceful, loud type of people. I, I, I saw in their, their methods that shouty, screamy, judgmental method that I saw on TV or even occasionally would literally see the guys on the street corner uh, doing their evangelism, shouting declaratives, attempting to convince people to believe in their way in order to avoid eternal punishment. You know, believe and be saved. And that, that never caught with me because I had always thought and still do, we don't need to believe to be saved. We're already saved. We're already loved by God. God's love doesn't depend on whether we believe in some certain way or do some certain thing. So that wasn't attractive to me, or, or some of these methods about come to my church and get the proper truth. No church has all the truth or the proper truth. God is too big for any of us to speak for God entirely. Or that old repent for the end is near kind of evangelism. And it seemed like in these methods that I saw, there was nothing of value in the evangelism except the selfish gain of the evangelist. Either more money in the offering plate or the ability to brag to their friends about how many people they saved or more fish simply to consume or leave on the beach or sell to the next person that comes along. There was an abusive side to that, but that's not evangelism trying to convince people why they should believe or saying that you ought to believe to avoid something. And I don't think that was Jesus' way of evangelism either. You know, in the last year especially, I've been working with a personal coach and reading about evangelism, that scary word. Now, I've learned that Maybe what we ought to, we can do a couple of things. We can reclaim that word for ourselves, that word evangelism, because evangelism just means to tell the good news, to bear the good news. That's all it is, to be the speaker of good news. But that word also has, is such a loaded word that maybe, I don't know, maybe it's not worth reclaiming or maybe a slow reclamation, but I think a much better way to think of it is the invitation. Not to be evangelistic, but to be invitationalistic. Or however you want to spin that word. Invitational, invitationalism. To invite. To invite. You know, that's what Jesus did. He invited people. He didn't force people or coerce them. He invited them. He says, follow me. It's just this invitation. Follow me. There's no coercion there. It's not, he doesn't say follow me or die or follow me or some other punishment. It's just follow me. And he calls us to say the same, to invite people into this new world, this new way of being. Follow me and experience God's realm of love. Follow me and experience God's compassion, God's mercy. Follow me and know that God loves you. But it's not about avoiding God's wrath, but inviting into God's love, into God's community. You know, Jonah 
in the story that we read is doing the kind of avoid wrath evangelism. He goes to Nineveh and says, repent or God is going to destroy you. I don't know, that's a good method. Repent and avoid God's wrath. That's a weaponized kind of evangelism. But Jesus' evangelism calls his disciples to go fish for people. Not to avoid God's wrath, but to invite them into the love that's already there. To invite them into a community of love and to stop living in fear of losing that love. To stop living in fear of God's wrath or God's punishment by understanding that God loves them and wants us all to be whole and to have dignity and to live without guilt or without shame, to be the whole people that God made us to be. That's being invitational, spreading the good news by inviting people to experience it and telling people about it. And being invitational requires no skill, it requires no talent. All Jesus did was say, follow me. Or as he encountered people, he healed them or fed them, listened to their stories. That's being invitational as well. Tell me your story, I'll listen. It's a lot of what we do on the, in our street ministry, listening to stories inviting people into a relationship. That's the good news. That doesn't take any particular skill and talent because we invite people to things all the time. Birthday parties, dinner parties, invite people to a movie, invite them over for dinner, uh, invite them for an afternoon of watching TV, whatever. Inviting people. We invite people all the time. And sometimes people say no. But we don't stop inviting. But it seems like when it comes to church things, sometimes we get that first no uh, and stop. Or we're so afraid of getting a no that we don't invite. Or we're so afraid of appearing obnoxious that we don't want to invite. But if it's just an invitation, just an invitation, come and experience, that's not so bad. Yeah, we've been growing this congregation, inviting people in, and we want to continue to grow it more. We've got a wonderful fellowship here and community, doing good things in Eau Claire, and, and, and that takes invitation. And that's all it takes, is to simply invite people. That's you and me to do the invitations. Uh, and also our website is a kind of invitation and entry, or Facebook page, or emails, or ads in the newspaper, whatever, uh, whatever we have out there. Our sign at the end of the road is a kind of invitation, saying, here we are. Come in. Come in. But that personal invitation, so, so important. So important. And so in 2015, we're still at the beginning of the year uh, 2015 and looking forward to this next year. Let us be fishers of people inviting them, inviting them into this community of fellowship and love. You know, the, the game day is a great entry point to invite people. Say, come and play some games with us. Or our, uh, we'll have our, our Lenten Wednesday lunch uh, and suppers again this year. It's a nice informal fellowship around the table eating. It's a nice easy thing to invite people to. That's my challenge to everyone this year, to all of us in 2015, to just to be invitational. I've said that a lot in the last few months and I'm going to 
probably keep saying it, but just be invitational. Be fishers of people, inviting people into this community of love and fellowship where we feed one another and where we are trying to make the world a more loving place. I think that's a pretty easy sell in, in some ways to invite people into that. Come into our community where you'll be cared for like we care for one another. You'll be prayed for like we pray for one another. You'll be fed like we feed one another, like we feed people on the street and care for them on the street or care through our St. Francis food pantry and the quilting and everything else that we do. It's all about listening to Jesus' call to follow and to do what Jesus asks us to do, which is simply to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to take care of the poor, and to love one another. So let that be what we're about uh, in 2015, be fishers of people and invite people, be welcoming and open to all those who are around us so all may know and come into understanding that God loves them and that they are all, we're all valued. We're all important to God. We all matter to God and we're all loved by God. Amen. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, this is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.